Born in the Balkans, genius inventor Nikola Tesla shows up all over the place in the conspiracy, and the stories about him are legion. He was really the father of electricity, but rival Thomas Edison screwed him out of his due. He was assassinated, or he never died. His clones live on. He built a death ray and an earthquake machine, and oh, so many more. Yes, Nikola Tesla is one of the biggins. Thank you for listening to this episode of Conspiracy Clearinghouse. Nikola Nikola Tesla, Tesla, the monster monster from from Venus. Don't forget you can subscribe to this podcast, and if you like what we do, donate via our Buy Me a Coffee page. You leave the world behind and enter a large chamber, filled with boxes and crates as far as the eye can see. Welcome to The Conspiracy Clearinghouse. The podcast that takes a rather skeptical look at conspiracies and mysteries. Each episode will examine various conspiracy theories, most of which are not true, a few of which might be a little bit true, and even a couple that turned out, in fact, to be true. There are many boxes in the clearinghouse, and along the way, we'll look at some mysteries and hoaxes as well. We dare to look behind the curtain that's behind the curtain. I'm your host, Derek DeWitt. Welcome to the Conspiracy Clearinghouse. Wonderful Wonderful Electric. electric. That's a line from the 2003 song Strict Machine by Goldfrapp. In 1881, at 25 years old, the precocious young man from modern-day Croatia moved to Budapest, becoming chief electrician for the Budapest Telephone Exchange Company. A year later, he was offered a job in Paris working for the Continental Edison Company installing indoor electric lights around the city. Tesla soon moved up to designing motors and dynamos and got to travel extensively for the Edison company throughout France and Germany. In 1884, his manager asked that Tesla accompany him back to the U.S. where they'd worked together in Manhattan doing basically the same thing they'd been doing in Paris. Tesla innovated an arc lamp which produced excellent quality light but needed voltages too high for Edison's low voltage system and so this was never produced. After moving stateside, Tesla quit after just six months, maybe because his arc light was rejected or maybe because of payment disputes. He started working on refining his arc lamp designs as well as a DC or direct current electrical generator, submitting patents and starting his own company called Tesla Electric Light and Manufacturing. His first installation was in Rahway, New Jersey, just a bit south of Newark. He continued to design things and got interested in AC or alternating current instead of the DC or direct current that was being promoted by the Edison company. But investors weren't really interested in this, preferring instead to basically just run an electrical utility company, which they went ahead and formed without Tesla. He lost control of his patents and lost his company and all of his money. He then became a ditch digger, making $2 a day. But his feverish mind kept on working, and the now 30-year-old drew up designs for a thermomagnetic motor which would turn heat into kinetic energy in order to make the turbines go that are needed to generate electricity. 
This innovative idea drew more investors and he got a laboratory and a workshop in Lower Manhattan near Zuccotti Park. Here he worked on a number of new projects and prototypes, gaining fame in the electricity world with many saying his products would end up becoming the worldwide standard. His main focus was on using AC, which entrepreneur George Westinghouse also supported, but as I said, Edison was pushing DC and seemed to be winning the day. This conflict, which would go on for years, became known as the War of the Currents. DC supporters claimed that the higher voltage of AC systems would result in fires and deaths. One engineer, Harold Brown, would publicly electrocute animals to show just how dangerous AC was, though these were mainly stunts that, it turned out, were promoted by the Edison camp. AC current had nothing to do with the animals' deaths. It was just way too much electricity that killed them. Brown and Edison in the background claimed that AC had killed at least 30 people and that anyone who installed an AC arc lamp in or near their home, Brown said, would be dead in six months, probably. This all hit Tesla pretty hard, causing his profits to yet again dwindle, and Westinghouse finally bought Tesla's patent for $216,000, about $7.6 million today, freeing him from all the nonsense, allowing him to explore new scientific findings and further develop his ideas. At the 1889 World's Fair in Paris, he learned of the discovery of electromagnetic radiation, which led to his creation of the Tesla coil. We've all seen a variant of this, a big metal rod with a big ball on the end that shoots off electrical sparks like contained lightning. It's often associated with Dr. Frankenstein, and in fact, Tesla coils were used not just in that movie, but in over a hundred other movies as well. He patented this in 1891, the same year that he finally got his U.S. citizenship papers. He was 35 years old. Four years later, in 1895, a fire broke out that pretty much demolished his lab, destroying many of his half-drawn plans and setting his projects back ages. He ended up moving to a larger space on Houston, not far from St. Patrick's. There, he worked on what he called teleautomation, remotely moving a boat using radio waves. He tried to sell this idea to the military, thinking that they could steer torpedoes this way, but they thought that was just a silly idea. And the idea would languish until World War I, when what we now call radio remote control was implemented in several military systems. At his new lab, he also worked with x-rays, which were discovered in 1895, though he fundamentally misunderstood their nature. Years later, in 1934, he claimed that sometimes during his experiments, a tiny bit of glass would break off the cathode tubes he was using and become greatly accelerated, shooting completely through his body. And he thought maybe he could use this to make some sort of electric gun. Shake, shake, shake rattle, rattle, and roll. roll. That's a song written in 1954 by Jesse Stone under his pen name, originally recorded by Big Joe Turner. Another thing Tesla developed was a steam-powered generator called the Tesla Electromechanical Oscillator. Not really a very catchy name. This was small, only about 7 inches long, 18 centimeters, and it only weighed about 700 grams, or about a pound and a half. Again, in the 1930s, he would claim in an interview that during an experiment, the device caused resonance with the buildings around the lab and caused a terrible noise and made all of the buildings shake. Realizing things could get out of control, he smashed his prototype with a sledgehammer before the oscillating resonance could shake everything apart. He claimed that had he allowed it to continue, the vibrations would have been able to shake apart the Empire State Building and even induce earthquakes. 
Accordingly, this has come down in the conspiracy theory lore as the earthquake machine, and this was an idea that would catch many people's imaginations. In the last years of the Cold War, the Soviet Union had two secret projects, Project Mercury and Project Volcano, aimed at creating a tectonic weapon using electromagnetism. These prototypes were deemed unlikely to ever work and were shelved, this despite an article that appeared in Pravda claiming that they had been successful, as did New Zealand's Project Seal, a World War II project to generate tsunamis, which also failed. And the TV show Mythbusters conducted an experiment along the lines of Tesla's supposed earthquake machine that did cause vibrations in structures hundreds of feet away, but not enough to cause any real damage. They deemed the myth busted. And yet earthquake machines continued to be talked about as if they were viable. In 1978, there was an international treaty prohibiting environmental modification techniques as weapons, signed by 75 countries, even though no such technology actually existed. The U.S. Secretary of Defense said in 1997 he was concerned about eco-terrorists setting off earthquakes and causing volcanoes to erupt. Venezuelan President Hugo Chavez claimed that the 2010 earthquake in Haiti was caused by the Americans testing a tectonic weapon. Similar unfounded conspiracy theories continue to crop up whenever there is a natural disaster. While President Donald Trump repeatedly asked his staff if China had developed a hurricane weapon and could the U.S. retaliate with some sort of armed response. They assured him that no such thing existed, but apparently he kept asking them anyway. But Tesla's real thing was wireless electricity. He had successfully lit some Geisler tubes and incandescent bulbs at a distance, not using wires but using a near-field induction and capacitive coupling. He later thought maybe the very atmosphere itself could be used to conduct electricity and radio waves, which are really just low frequencies of light, and more. Like many people in the 19th century, he believed that the atmosphere was conductive, or at least gases in the atmosphere were conductive. He set up a large resonance transformer magnifying transmitter in his lab to test out some of his ideas, imagining that perhaps if he was right, a series of balloons staying at about 30,000 feet in elevation could send electricity all over the globe via electrodes. He then set up a larger scale experimental station in Colorado Springs, first to test out sending radio waves across the ocean through the air. Another system was set up in El Paso, Texas, where his AC electricity would be made available for free. During an experiment at that Texas generation station, he blew out one of the generators, but his observations made him think that, you know, maybe the very Earth itself could become a conductor for targeted electricity delivery. This excited him very much, and he went on the fundraising trail, getting J.P. Morgan to invest the modern equivalent of $4.8 million in a large wireless transmission station in Wardenclyffe near Shoreham, Long Island. One of the receivers he'd set up started receiving strange signals, which he came to believe were coming from off the earth. Newspapers got a hold of this and promptly wrote up an article saying that Tesla was talking to people on Mars. But he quibbled, saying maybe it was Mars, but it could also be Venus or maybe even another planet. Later, some people thought Tesla had perhaps accidentally intercepted an experiment by Marconi in Europe who was also attempting to get radio waves to cross the Atlantic Ocean. Today, it's thought that probably what Tesla detected at this station was a pulsar, which would in fact then make him the father of radio astronomy. 
Now, the race was on between Marconi and Tesla to see who could get a radio signal from North America to Europe first, and Tesla used to complain that he thought Marconi had just copied his own designs. In December 1901, Marconi successfully transmitted a coherent signal from Newfoundland to England, winning the day, and the rest, as they say, is history. Money started pouring into Marconi's company, and some started suggesting that maybe Tesla's whole operation had been a hoax and a money scam from the start. Despite building a massive tower on Long Island and moving all his operations there, he failed to produce the desired results. In 1906, Tesla had something of a nervous breakdown, and the whole project was shelved. After recovering, he got many new investors through J.P. Morgan, but many of those investors were aboard the Titanic when it went down in 1912, and once again, his money dried up. And his patents lapsed, and once again, he found himself basically broke. He tried suing the Marconi company, but that went nowhere, though some of his patents were restored in a court ruling in 1943, sadly just after his death. Despite all the adversity, Tesla kept coming up with new ideas. He developed the Tesla Turbine, a bladeless turbine that rotates 16,000 times a minute, but that never really went far. Eventually, this idea would be adapted to speedometers in high-end cars. He found a way to use the Tesla coil to make ozone, which could then be sieved through oils to form what he thought of as a therapeutic gel. This would one day become a rather common form of room sanitizer used in hospitals. He had the idea that blanketing a classroom with small amounts of very high-frequency electricity might make students smarter, an idea tacitly approved by the superintendent of New York City schools, though never put into practice. He thought high-frequency radio waves could be used to find submarines, which also went nowhere, though those ideas would become fundamental in the creation of radar in France in the 1930s. He also developed a biplane that used vertical takeoff and landing technology, VTOL, which is what he got his last patent for. Alas, the aircraft didn't work, but again, ideas from it eventually got adapted into the design for the V-22 Osprey tilt-rotor VTOL craft, which is something of a cross between a helicopter and a propeller airplane, which was developed in the late 1980s. Poor Nikola Tesla, always the bridesmaid and never the bride, it would seem. He was certainly recognized as a genius by all who knew him and his work, and probably he was in the running for the Nobel Prize for Physics at least once or twice. He received numerous awards and other accolades, but he never really hit the mother load that he'd been hoping for. Bad luck, some people would say. When he was 81 years old, Tesla was crossing the street to feed the pigeons by the cathedral, as he often did when he was struck by a taxicab. Three ribs were broken and his back was irreparably injured, but he refused to go to a doctor. In fact, for most of his life, he avoided medical professionals and his health declined. Finally, on January 7, 1943, Nikola Tesla died in his room at the Hotel New Yorker alone, age 86, from a blood clot. Excitable, Excitable boy, boy, they all they said. All said. That's from a Warren Zevon song. While he never really got anything workable off the ground and some of his ideas were just plain wrong, a lot of what Tesla was working on has come to help shape parts of the modern world. Remote control for TVs and other things comes out of his work, as do robots, lasers, Wi-Fi, fluorescent lights, and neon lights, which came out of his idea that the gases in the Earth's atmosphere could be made to glow, providing free light whenever needed. 
Autopilots also come from his work, as does the MRI, adapted from his work on something he called a thought camera, and the first hydroelectric plant at Niagara Falls opened in 1896. Plus, the posthumous restoration of some of his patents reveals that he was instrumental in the development of radio. Back in 1926, he'd said maybe radio waves could be harnessed in such a way that people could carry around a small device in their pockets in order to see events far away. Also, maybe they could have another device that could be used to transmit voice or music. Um, a wireless, wireless smartphone, smartphone anybody? anybody? Way ahead of the curve and all pretty impressive stuff to be sure. And he was always working on ideas. So it should come as no surprise that two days after his death, the FBI seized all of his possessions, papers, devices, notebooks, and everything. They were worried maybe something dangerous was in the inventor's effects and called an MIT professor, John G. Trump, to take a look. This Trump is the uncle of Donald Trump. This Trump found nothing alarming, though rumors started flying that there had been a box containing a, quote, death ray, which the military then spirited away. Tesla had once talked of such a device, which he said would accelerate mercury isotopes to 48 times the speed of sound, a little bit over 16 kilometers per second, or about 36,000 miles per hour. This would unleash devastation, wiping out whole armies in a single blast. He said that if every country had such a device, then no one would dare use it, and so therefore an age of peace would come upon humanity, which sounds eerily like the Cold War philosophy of mutually assured destruction or mad. Because of all this, Tesla called it the peace ray. This death ray, or peace ray, among other Tesla-related things, would continue to circulate around as rumors in the decades following his death, making their way eventually into the conspiracy. Like that the earthquake machine is real, that he'd made a 100% electric car way back when that uses energy drawn directly from the air, which would become the basis of many zero-point energy conspiracy theories later on. That he perfected wireless electricity, but it was shelved by Edison and his cronies. That he made a camera that could capture images of thoughts and dreams. That he invented functioning time travel. Tesla was an oddball, to be sure. Some said his early interest in electricity came about because his mother gave birth to him during a lightning storm. He was really, really into pigeons, eventually kind of falling in love with one particular white one that he brought back to his rooms when it was sick. He said, quote, I loved that pigeon as a man loves a woman and she loved me. As long as I had her, there was a purpose to my life. He wrote in his diary that he thought this pigeon was attempting to communicate with him. He'd been very into the paranormal from a young age, thinking maybe offbeat 14 phenomena were clues to previously unknown aspects of physics. He firmly believed in extraterrestrial life, and there's some evidence that he really did think those pulsar signals he got way back when were intelligently directed signals from off-world alien minds. He even joked sometimes that people thought that he himself was an alien, sometimes referring to him as the monster from Venus. Tesla would often get what he called a white flash before a complex idea just sort of downloaded into his head, fairly complete. He slept two hours a night, was a huge germaphobe, seems to have been completely celibate despite being wooed by power women like actress Sarah Bernhardt. He also hated women wearing earrings, a type of cosmemophobia, though he did like bracelets, and he was famously terrified of pearls. 
He also refused to touch other people's hair, saying that he would only do so at the point of a revolver, and he wrote that he got a fever if he just looked at a peach. Now we would recognize that he was almost certainly suffering from OCD, compulsively counting the number of steps he took and needing to mentally calculate the cubic volume of any bowl, plate, or cup at mealtimes before he could sit down and enjoy his food. And he was obsessed with the number three. Over time, he started thinking that three and its buddies six and nine were keys to the structure of the universe, and he would try and tap into it through his behavior. He would walk around a city block three times before going into a building. He would only stay in hotel rooms that had a number divisible by three. For the record, he died in room 3327 of the New Yorker, which is three times 1,109. When washing dishes, he would use exactly 18 napkins. 18 is divisible by 3, 6, and 9. And when walking places, he would count the steps and make sure that he ended his journey on a number of steps that was divisible by three. Pseudoscience people have taken this up and suggested all sorts of things. One guy says three, six, and nine represent a flux field, which is a vector that allows access to the fourth dimension. Almost as soon as Tesla was buried in the ground, a sort of proto-New Age movement sprang up around him and his uh, wackier ideas. Today, adherents of so-called angel numbers claim that by simply writing or saying the numbers three, six, and nine, you can manifest whatever you want in your life. TikTokers have recently expanded on this, claiming that if you write down what you want to happen in your life three times in the morning, six times in the afternoon, and nine times in the evening, then your wish will come true. Some folks in woo-woo land claim his hatred of pearls extended to other spherical gems, and the reason for this was because he had ESP and round geometry interfered with his psychic powers. They note he did like crystals and other faceted gems, just not shiny round ones. Frankly, it's hard to go two days in any online conspiracy forum or group without finding some reference or another to Tesla. Oh, his death was faked and the government took him away and made him continue to work in a secret base, maybe Area 51. Some go further, saying they took some of his DNA and successfully cloned him. Some people take up that and run with it, saying that Elon Musk is in fact one of the Tesla clones. I mean, he named his electric car company Tesla, for God's sake. Others say Musk maybe had access to some of those lost Tesla documents. Maybe Musk and others were given them to give America a competitive advantage in the globalized economy. Thunderstruck. Thunderstruck. Yes, an ACDC song title, as well as the title of a 2006 book by Eric Larson about the development of radio by Marconi. You see what I did there? So what's all this about AC and DC, and what's the difference, and why the big hoopla? DC means direct current, which means the electrical charge flows only one way. This is how most of us non-engineers think about electricity, why it flows from a generation station down wires into our electrical sockets, kind of like how water flows through pipes into our homes. However, what most of us use in our residences and business is actually AC, not DC. DC is what you get with things like batteries, power banks, and solar cells. DC power is more consistent than AC power. AC means alternating current, which means the flow reverses direction sometimes and changes its magnitude. An AC current moves electrons upwards, or in a positive direction, and then downwards in a negative direction. 
because of a whole bunch of technical reasons. AC currents can travel much further than DC ones, and they're easier to generate and also cheaper to generate. You can also turn AC into DC if you need that by using a device called a rectifier. So, AC has become pretty much the standard for most consumer electricity usage. But back in the early days of electricity, it was unclear which one would win out. Thomas Edison created the very first electric utility company in 1882 using DC, but then George Westinghouse, using ideas from Nikola Tesla, created a rival network that used AC, and thus the War of the Currents was born. AC is generally higher voltage than DC, so Westinghouse had to use transformers to step down the power so his systems could be used for things like indoor lighting. After all, nobody wants their electrical outlets to explode. Edison said that, yeah, AC is less expensive, but it's just too dangerous. But then again, he would say that, wouldn't he, since he had invested entirely in DC technology. AC had become something of a standard already in Europe, and so Edison concentrated his efforts on the United States. Funded behind the scenes by Edison, the aforementioned Brown continued to electrocute animals and write papers and books about the dangers of alternating current. Westinghouse convinced public outdoor arc lamp companies to invest in pole-mounted high-voltage AC lines to carry current far and wide, the progenitors of the electric lines that crisscross the landscape today. Edison countered by teaming up with people like Harold Brown, who went on a road show electrocuting animals to death, saying this is what happened when you used alternating current. And dealing with electricity could be dangerous, especially in the earliest days of its use. Linemen died, often horribly and quite publicly, while placing or repairing lines. This caused the electric wire panic, in which some members of the public in New York became worried electricity would rain down death upon them as they walked beneath the electrical wires. Reporters looked into things and found many of the companies putting up these lines were using insufficient insulation because it was cheaper. And so after several rounds in different courtrooms, the New York Supreme Court ordered all AC lines to be cut down and removed. Edison felt like this was a victory. Edison also made sure that the first electric chair to be used for executions used a Westinghouse AC generator, further adding to his claims of its danger. Westinghouse then got William Kemmler, the first man slated to die by electric chair, to appeal to the court saying, execution by electricity was a cruel and unusual punishment and so therefore prohibited under the Eighth Amendment. During the hearing, Kemmler's lawyer, William Bork Cochran, attacked Edison and Brown, saying many of their so-called findings were faked or inaccurate. The appeal was denied and Kemmler got the weird distinction of being the first person intentionally electrocuted to death on August 6, 1890. However, the technicians were unclear how to effectively use this new technology, and it actually took several jolts to finally finish him off. Some people in the Westinghouse camp said that the Edison people had bribed them to, quote, accidentally deliver the incorrect voltage, causing a horrific spectacle and further adding to the idea that AC was bad news. With all this bad publicity, it would seem like the Edison camp was going to come out on top, but no. Edison abruptly left the electricity business, and the then president of General Electric, which is what the Edison company became, merged with several smaller electric companies in the area, including the AC-powered Thompson-Houston Company, and with that, the lights went out on the War of the Currents. Eventually, AC systems would be used by the vast majority of electrical utilities. 
One thing you often hear people talk about is the tale of Topsy the Bad Elephant. However, it turns out that was not part of the Edison-Westinghouse feud. After a series of incidents that showed increasingly aggressive behavior, partly due to mistreatment by her owners, who were found guilty of fraudulent claims when they said that she was the first elephant born in the U.S., but it turned out that she had actually been captured in Africa, Topsy killed an audience member in 1902 and was sold to Coney Island, where her new owners tried to capitalize on her reputation by further mistreating her, getting her to behave in crowd-thrilling but dangerous ways. After a decent buildup of what a wild creature this is stunts, they planned to hang her there at the amusement park and charge admission. The SPCA got this blocked, so instead they fed her poisoned carrots, strangled her with ropes attached to a steam-powered winch, and then electrocuted her. This was witnessed by a group of reporters and also a film crew from Edison Studios who filmed the event, distributing the grim ending as a 70-second silent film for use in coin-operated kinetoscopes titled Electrocuting an Elephant. This is probably the first filmed animal death in history. So, a tragic and sad tale to be sure, but all this took place in 1903, a decade after the War of the Currents had ended in a business merger, and it was not an event staged by Edison. He wasn't even at Coney Island the day that Topsy met her unfortunate end. So that is another myth busted. I know you are, but what am I? Considering the former rivalry between Tesla and Edison, it's probably not surprising that the Edison Tech Center website has a whole page devoted to, quote, debunking the Tesla myth. They start by saying that you shouldn't believe everything you read on the internet, and then their page, which is on the internet, goes on to make the following claims. That Tesla was pompous and a blowhard who talked a good talk and was savvy with the press, but really invented nothing at all. Sort of a scientific-flavored P.T. Barnum. That Tesla did not invent AC power. That began in 1832 with a hand-crank device created by Frenchman Hippolyte Pixi, I guess is how you pronounce it, P-I-X-I-I. And single-phase AC was used throughout Europe into the 1880s. In 1885, Italian scientist Galileo Ferraris suggested using a two-phase version and the very next year, that is what Tesla pitched to his potential investors. Hmm, hmm. Who's stealing from whom? Russian engineer Mikhail Dolivo Dobrovolsky successfully built a three-phase AC generator around 1890, and many others had also been working on the problem. So Tesla was just piggybacking on these people's work. The AC transformer, which can step down the voltage to safer levels, was invented in 1885 by American William Stanley Jr. based on earlier attempts by the French and the Hungarians, not by Tesla. Tesla also did not invent the induction coil. That was Michael Faraday who made the discovery that led to Nicholas Callan building the first one in 1836, 20 years before Tesla was born. Tesla did not create the first loudspeaker. That was C.W. Rice and Edward Kellogg in 1921. Many people contributed to the invention of radar, but not Nikola Tesla. Tesla should also not get credit for fluorescent lamps, which might actually have been pioneered by Edison himself, though the first modern one came about in 1934, created by George Inman. 
Tesla had nothing to do with microwave transmitters, and the first hydroelectric dam was built in 1891 in Frankfurt, Germany by none other than Russian engineer Mikhail Dolivo Dobrovolsky of three-phase AC generator fame. Oh, and finally, the list concludes, the whole war of the currents business is totally not true. In fact, Edison had been a lifelong supporter of AC. It's a surprising hit piece of a webpage saying at least some things that are demonstrably false, painting Tesla as a total liar and maybe even a thief and Edison as the very paragon of humanity and restraint, when it is well known that Edison was, well, something of a dick. Some of the myths about Tesla in there that they debunk are odd choices since even hardcore Tesla fans make no claim as to Tesla having invented things like microwave transmitters and the loudspeaker. They might as well say that Nikola Tesla did not invent the car. You'd think they'd mention a few confirmed not-so-great things about Tesla, like the aforementioned eccentricities, his fear of pearls and peaches, and also things like his belief in eugenics to, quote, breed out undesirables, as he wrote, and his close friendship with a high-ranking Nazi who worked on the Third Reich's selective breeding plan. But no, instead they decided to attack him for things like radar and fluorescent lamps. Point zero, point zero for zero, zero point. Point, point, point. Besides the ideas that Tesla actually invented an earthquake weapon and or a death ray, one of the longest lasting conspiracy theories about him is that he created devices that could harness zero point energy, but then these were confiscated by greedy corporations and power companies in collusion with the government who would see no profit from unlimited free energy being made available to an increasingly power-starved public. The idea of zero-point energy actually first comes from Aristotle and in our time through quantum physics, specifically quantum field theory. But for some of the conspiracy-minded, it all flows from Tesla, making him, in their minds, the point zero or original source for zero-point. It's a bit complicated, but in as brief a space as I can, I will explain what zero-point energy is. In classical or Newtonian physics, everything is in motion all the time and all particles have energy that's a combination of their kinetic energy, which they get through their movement, and their potential energy, which is energy imparted by internal stresses, external interactions with other relative objects, electrical charge, and so on. For example, temperature is a result of particles moving. The faster they move, the higher the temperature. Conversely, the lower the temperature, the slower the movement. So steam is really just water particles moving very quickly. Water is then moving at medium speed and ice is then moving very slowly. One would think then, at a temperature of absolute zero, the particles would be in a ground state and stop moving entirely altogether. However, Quantum theory says that all quantum mechanical systems experience fluctuations even in their ground state because they're kind of really more like waves when you get down to the sub-subatomic level. Even the empty vacuum of space has a tiny little bit of vibrational motion, which means it has kinetic energy. Quantum field theory looks at everything in the physical world as a series of fluctuating fields instead of using the billiard ball-like particle model we all have in our heads and then it gets really complicated from there. Perhaps all of this is a physical fact, the actual way things are, or it might be just a good way to model things, an artifact of the math and so on. 
But the nut of it is that if there's this constant state of low, low level energy, even in a vacuum, could it be possible to tap into it, to use it? If so, then that would mean that perpetual motion is possible. Perpetual motion is motion that keeps moving forever with no outside intervention necessary to keep imparting energy into the system. Once set in motion, off it goes, never stopping. This remains hypothetical since everything we see is subjected to the laws of thermodynamics and so all systems dissipate energy because of a bunch of different things. Yet there have been plenty of toxers throughout history who have claimed at one time or another to have invented a perpetual motion machine, but it turns out they have always been lying and there's some small little motor secreted somewhere inside the device. But the conspiracy wants what it wants and these narratives all combine into the larger narrative called free energy suppression. This says that perpetual motion and unlimited energy have already been discovered and harnessed but this is being kept on a high shelf by governments, oil companies, the Freemasons, the Illuminati, aliens, or any other group you'd like to target. And one subset of this free energy suppression narrative is that the unlimited resource is zero-point energy or the quantum fluctuation energy of things at their ground state. And a subset of that narrative says that it was none other than Nikola Tesla who'd figured this out. After his stuff was confiscated after his death, they found notes and plans that allowed them to build actual zero-point energy devices, which the government uses today for its own purposes while continuing to withhold this technology from us commoners. This ties into the weird idea of wainscoting, which is that there's already another post-scarcity civilization here on Earth, ruled by and populated by the elite, and is being kept from the rest of us. But there'll be more about that in a future episode. Or maybe they are squeaking out innovations a tiny bit at a time in order to maximize profits. In any case, the narrative goes, zero-point energy has been made to work, but most of us just don't know about it. And then the pseudoscience people get in there adding a spicy sauce to a classic anti-authority tale, showing how this or that is somehow proof of everything. Some UFO folks say, hey, you know the way those UFOs and UAPs move? It's probable that they use zero-point energy. And then the lizard people people say, that's right, and the government is working with them aliens in exchange for that technology. But others say, no, 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 it was actually Tesla who fulfilled the dream, and that's why the aliens slash lizard people came here to Earth. And others go, no, 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 Tesla was totally killed to shut him up. And others go, oh, yeah, nuh-uh, and then others go, nuh-uh, Tesla was an alien who came here to help us like some sort of extraterrestrial Prometheus. But then the government, in cahoots with bad aliens, shut him down and others go, oh, oh yeah, yeah, well, well and, and so, and on 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 it goes like a perpetual motion machine of nonsense. A surprising area of the conspiracy that has taken up the zero-point energy motif is the quack medicine people. Companies like Omega International were marketing water, they said, had been made using zero-point energy, and so therefore it was way healthier than normal water. See, zero-point energy is infused into the water somehow. Oh, this company also made magic anti-cancer wands that would eliminate that disease from bodies if you just waved the wand over a cancer patient in slow circles. 
In fact, say plenty of new age alt medicine companies, zero point energy is really just another more modern, more scientific way to say chi or life life force. So said the company Enagi, all caps, E-N-A-G-I, who had a crack team made up of, and I quote, engineers, scientists in physics, healers, artists, energy workers, crystal lovers, lawyers, coaches, psychics, communications, and sales professionals, who all got together and developed in 2015 what they termed a new technology using eight-sided crystals of fluorite, which is the mineral form of calcium fluoride. Calcium fluoride is used to make optical lenses, thermal imaging systems, and so on. This crack team at Anagi polished these eight-sided Dungeons and Dragons dice and found that, wow, they became conductors for the life force. Yes, these crystals channel zero-point energy and act sort of like electrical transformers allowing our bodies to tap into the limitless energy out there for the taking, increasing your life force by over a thousand times. This was accomplished through a complicated proprietary technique that impregnated the crystals with a special electromagnetic field. And you could buy this amazing new technology for as low as $69 for a bag, but you needed a few bags of crystals that you then arranged on your body while you laid down on the floor, all the way up to a one kilo crystal called the Anagi Temple that they said generated a field 30 meters across. Needless to say, this company is out of business now, but the website still exists on the Internet Archive. Link in the episode notes. <laughs> oh boy. This reminds me of a talk I went to in San Francisco once back in, I guess it was 2002, given by a guy who claimed he'd woven infrared light into fabric, which gave the clothes he was making all sorts of healing benefits. I mean, at least Anagi had a fairly decent-looking website. Unlike ZP Energy, who are still in business, but have a website that can only be described as 1997 retro. They promote, quote, over unity, O slash U, fuel-less energetics, devices tapping the zero-point energy ZPE slash vacuum slash cosmic slash ambient energy fields. What, what does, does all, all that, that mean? mean, mean, mean. I suppose that's anyone's guess. But enough people may think that sounds scientific enough because they're still making money. Anyway, Tesla joins a list of brave geniuses who have been killed to suppress their breakthrough innovations, a list that also includes John Kenzius, an inventor who thought he'd found a safe alternative to chemotherapy, and also a device that used radio waves to burn hydrogen in water, creating a hydrogen fuel cell, who died of pneumonia while he was undergoing traditional chemotherapy for his cancer at age 64. There's also Eugene Malov, who published Infinite Energy magazine and wrote a book saying cold fusion had actually been achieved, but then suppressed, who was beaten to death during a burglary, and Stanley Meyer, inventor of another supposed water fuel cell, who died outside a restaurant while dining with two Belgian investor prospects. His last words were, they poisoned me. The Tesla was assassinated theory has it that they first tried to kill him with the lamp fire, and then by running him over with that cab, and finally they injected him with something that gave him the fatal blood clot. Or maybe that's all still a hoax, and he's still alive today, tapping into that zero-point energy life force, living forever. Or maybe his clone is still alive, or maybe he went back to his home planet, or whatever. 
But putting all that aside, it is certain that Nikola Tesla was ahead of his time in many ways, even if he never really did find a way to scale and thus profit from his ideas. And for some, he will always be a shining beacon in the darkness, showing them the truth of whatever conspiracy narrative they already believe. Thank you for visiting The Conspiracy Clearinghouse. We're closing now, but we'll open another crate in the next episode. Until then, thank you for listening.